everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Defaba podcast with me, your host, Dr. Lillian Kezubo, a pediatrician and behavior therapist. This week, we continue with our series on nonviolent methods of behavior modification. Those of you who've been following know that we started on a journey to try and help our children behave acceptably without having to resort to violence. And this week, we shall discuss one of those methods, and it's known as avoiding triggers. A trigger is a situation or a state that causes something to function. Think about it. Just like in a gun, you need something to tell the gun to propel the bullet forward at the speed that is required so that you can hit the target. And that is usually a trigger. For children, remember all behaviors serve to meet a certain function. No matter how strange that behavior is, there's a reason why that child is engaging in that behavior and perhaps that behavior helps them to achieve a certain function, which may be to get your attention, it may be to get them food, it may be to get them a friend or to get them out of a certain situation. So the trigger is that state or that Thing that will make the child start behaving in that particular manner that we often find unacceptable but that particular behavior helps the child to get what they desire. Common triggers for children include hunger, temperature changes, loneliness, anger, need for attention, illness or when they are wet or when they have soiled themselves. The child then resorts to behavior that can cause the guardian to address the child's situation. This behavior may be crying, physical aggression, verbal aggression, fussing, stereotypical movements and sounds, self-injury, among others. These behaviors are more exacerbated if the child has emotional, intellectual and communication challenges such as autism, ADHD, oppositional defiance disorder, conduct disorder, mental illness, mood disorders, or cerebral palsy. Please listen to previous podcasts because we did go into detail about all these illnesses and how they affect the child's behavior. Commonly, triggers result in challenging behaviors which are culturally abnormal behaviors of such an intensity frequency or duration that the physical safety of the person or others is likely to be jeopardized or the behavior which is likely to limit or deny access to use of ordinary community facilities. Let me break that down. So the child has been triggered by whatever it is, hunger, loneliness, disease, um, you know, feeling inadequate, low self-esteem, whatever the trigger is, the child has been triggered. So the child's mind processes that they need to get out of this situation or they need to, 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 to get the attention of somebody to help them out. So that has been recognized by the brain. The brain then tells the body of the child, behave in this manner so that you get the attention that you deserve or you get out of the situation or you get the resources that you need to continue. So that's when the child engages in the behavior that the society the child is in considers abnormal. Okay, that's important because behavior that is considered abnormal in Africa may not be considered abnormal elsewhere and vice versa. So this behavior is considered abnormal by the society that the child finds it, finds himself or herself in. 
okay and not just that the behavior the child engages in may be deemed dangerous either to the child themselves or to the people around them for example if the child results in physical aggression that's definitely a danger to the child and to the people that the child is being aggressive towards okay or this particular behavior may make the child be excluded from activities that are essential for the child's growth and development for example if the child uh, is triggered and then resorts to physical aggression more often than not the child is usually sent away from whatever activity they were engaging in it could have been a class it could have been a play uh, you know it, the child could have been playing with other kids or having a music lesson or an art class and then something triggers the child and then the child behaves in a manner that is not acceptable and then the child is sent out of the class while this may have satisfied the child's initial desire maybe the child did want to get out of the class but look at what the child is missing the child is missing the education the child is missing the social interaction the child is missing the nurturing of talent that the child could be having so this is why it is important to intervene with such uh, behaviors because either the child is being a danger to themselves or others or the child will end up missing on vital social and intellectual activities that are important for the child's growth and development hope that is clear if these behaviors go unchecked they may result in catastrophic uh, consequences such as failure to complete school attaining poor school achievement poor interpersonal relationships particularly family breakup and divorce and these are children who, if these behaviors go unchecked, may experience uh, long-term unemployment or long-term uh, disuse of their natural talents. So today, we are discussing a critical step in breaking the chain of behavior dysregulation. And this, this critical step is known as avoiding triggers. So we've already defined what a trigger is and how the chain um, uh, starts from trigger uh, to be behavior dysregulation. So let's address how we can avoid triggers okay so usually a trigger uh the the, the 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 notion why a trigger becomes a trigger for this particular child is usually because of a memory of an unpleasant experience or a consequence that happened way back way back when the child was probably much too young and when that uh, event happened there was an arousal of negative emotion and then there was physical symptoms such as rise in heart rate, facial expression changing or sweating and then the child now progresses to uh, behavior change okay so for example how is it that uh, that hunger is a trigger for most children most likely this child has been hungry before maybe way back maybe even when they were breastfeeding when they were very small maybe one month two months there was a time the child was hungry even though this child at this age did not know how to express hunger in words or in action, this child knew that being hungry is not a pleasant situation to be in. Because when they were hungry, when they were really tiny, there were certain changes that took place in his or her body and in his or her mind. There were negative emotions that were attached to the state of being hungry. Once the negative emotions were attached to the state of being hungry, the body responded by either raising the heart rate, uh, sweating, feeling uncomfortable, feeling ill at ease. Once the body realized that something is going on that is not pleasant, the mind 
of this child told this child, okay, behave in a certain way because you need to get the attention of your guardian so that this guardian can give you something to eat because if this hunger persists, you may actually die. So the mind is really trying to save the, 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 the life of this child. However, the behavior that this child resulted in may not be accept may, may not be acceptable if it persists beyond a certain age okay so unless we break this chain at the onset this sequence of events will continue even when the child is older the child will get hungry the child will get upset the child will uh, the child's uh, vital signs will change the mind will take an action and then the body will behave in a manner that we do not consider acceptable so this is how to break the chain by avoiding triggers. You have to be somebody who knows this child very intimately for you to employ this tactic because you will only know what sets off your child if you have spent adequate time with this child, if you have understood this child, if you have understood how this child behaves when they are upset or when they, are, when they need something. So usually the people who can employ this tactic are mostly parents, guardians, or teachers, people who have spent adequate time with children, especially if these children are neurodiverse. So if it is a biological trigger, such as hunger, temperature changes, first, make sure the child is in a routine. The child should eat something at least every two to four hours. The child should drink some water at least every hour. The child should relieve themselves at least every two to four hours. The child should be on a routine of uh, when to eat, when to drink, when to go to the toilet, when to put on a sweater, when to remove the sweater, when to take a break, when to get some fresh air. Because those are biological triggers that set any of us off, not, the, not just children. There are social triggers. For example, the child may be lonely or the child may be overstimulated by too many crowds. So make sure that you understand the child, uh, the particular child we're dealing with. If this is a child who does not like crowds, you need to know if you go to a crowd, the child is going to be set off. So you need to have preparations if going to a crowd is, is necessary. Sometimes you can't avoid going to a crowd. Maybe you're a single mom and you have to go grocery shopping. Obviously, you will need to take your child with you. But your child perhaps has a, a anxiety towards crowds. So you need to know how to prepare for that situation before it happens. Some parents take noise-canceling headphones and, and cover their child's ears. Some parents uh, get sunglasses for their children so that the children don't have to see all the crowds. Some parents uh, go to a smaller mall or, or go to, at, uh, to the mall at a specific time that may not have crowds. So you need to understand your child's triggers and you need to prepare for them in advance before they happen okay another trigger that commonly sets kids off is lack of sleep and we have covered lack of sleep before and make sure that the child sleeps for 10 to 14 hours a day to avoid crankiness the other trigger that sets off children is usually excessive screen time and especially if the content of the screen is violent hyper stimulating and the WHO recommends that children should not have more than an hour of screen time per day. For children who are triggered by loneliness, make sure that your child can safely interact with others and make sure that the caregivers around the child are warm and responsive. Another common trigger is boredom. So make sure that the child is surrounded by captivating programs that are complete with pictures, sounds, colors, and animations. 
you need to increase the level of challenges as the child acquires a wider and a greater understanding. Remember to give frequent breaks and rotations, especially if the child has ADHD or has a short attention span. When the child engages in challenging behavior, avoid harsh and inconsistent discipline. Okay, most uh, parents resort to uh, shouting, to yelling, to, to calling the child uh, abhorrent names when challenging behaviors emerge. This is ha too harsh and sometimes this is inconsistent. One time you're shouting, the other time you're correcting. One time you're calling names, the other time you are modeling. So you need to have a consistent way of disciplining the child when they engage in challenging behavior. And remember, we are on a journey to try and do this without resorting to violence. Remember to be pro to be proactive and to anticipate challenging behavior. Once you know your child, you will know that when they are hungry, they will start crying, they will start yelling, they will start throwing things around. So anticipate that and make provision for that. Okay. And if by some, you know, uh, sometimes we can't avoid triggers all the time. You know, this is a dynamic world. Sometimes things change. Sometimes there are emergencies. Sometimes we have to address many things at the same time. So it is not possible that you will be able to avoid 100% of all your child's triggers. In this situation, make sure that you address the situational behavior modification through the channels that we have talked about. We've talked about removal. We've talked about uh, modeling. We've talked about calming down procedures. We've talked about uh, ignoring. And we've talked about positive and negative reinforcement. So these are all methods that we've talked about before. For those who are joining us for the first time, please go back and listen to the previous episodes and you will find other ways of correcting behavior at the time that it has appeared that do not result in violence. Remember to ask for help. If these simple measures uh, do not work, there are many people who can assist you. We have behavior therapists, we have psychologists, we have medical doctors, and we have child guidance experts all around us. You do not have to go at this alone. You do not have to to be the, the sole hero in your child's life. We can all come in together and work together so that we can have a society of children who are accommodative of each other's challenges and each other's behaviors so that we can have children who are well grounded and well guided in how to behave towards others and the many, uh, the, the, the numerous diversities that we have in society. Thank you so much for joining me for this week. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends and share it with those who you think may benefit. And don't forget to join me for my next one as we continue on this journey of helping our children. See you next time.